Please stay the course. We are dead. We are all dead. We were supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I know kung fu. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. This whole thing is insane. This whole thing is insane. 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at a stake. What do all men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane. Man is evil, capable of nothing but destruction. Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert. Of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy heresies and welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is. It just is. Especially with the audio version of AB Live. This one, episode 62. Raw, uncensored, and unfiltered. Just like the truth you've been looking for across all your existences. Supercharged by stellar audience participation. On this sacrilege, we were joined again by the Chingon Anthony Garcia author of Artificial Intelligence and the New Messiah. We mine for esoteric truths in the Bible, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and the Book of Enoch. Our journey included astrotheology, the wisdom of the scenes, and gematria. All of this led to keys for inner knowing and eldritch prophecies happening today. In other words, it's all about not allowing the mechanistic archons to turn us into machines. Same as it ever was. As a bonus for subscribers on premium platforms, I'll include a section with my interview with Dr. Robert Eisenman on his book, James the Brother of Jesus, where he grants a scholarly and bird's eye view of the mystic politics of the Qumran community and the early church. Mind-blowing content, I say, I say. Next, we will have an episode with the brilliant Mark Stavish discussing the path of Freemasonry. Then expect another AB Live with Amanda Radcliffe discussing Mary Magdalene and why the Cathars existed followed by Gigi Young joining us for a Finding Hermes. It's a gnosis load of cool shows during the holidays, including Being a Mystic Warrior with Angel Millar, shows on Buddhism, the real identity of Lucifer and Manly P. Hall, and much more. Thank you so much for those of you who support this Red Pill Cafeteria. I hope I have served you well. Your support and company keep me going. Don't forget the Finding Hermes program and my voiceover availability. Whether it's an audiobook, commercial, podcast, or documentary, or video game, I can bring stellar results to your project. Keep in mind you can now tip via Stripe, since many of you use it, found in the show notes of any audio podcast. And yes, 10 Snackable Meditations is out to help you not seize the day, but to save the day so you can seize your sanity and later save reality. Check it out on the show notes. We need Gnosis more than ever. Needless to say, in this age of Hermes, Philip K. Dick world and Gnostic times, you won't find this high quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom or guests and their unique insights anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. Let us to our latest AB Live. And please, don't be a robot.
Okay, okay. So say I put my brain in a robot body, and there's a war. Robots versus humans. What side am I on? Humans? You have a human brain. But the humans discriminate against you. You can't even vote. We better not have to live on a reservation. That would really chat my caboose. Yeah, but nobody knows you're a robot. You look the same. Dogs know. That's how the humans hunt you. They're gonna hunt me for sport? That's why we have to crush mankind. So you might as well get on board for the big win, Stormy. You be yapping about putting their brains in a robot? Hey, what about the league? Oh, Quinn will save us. Quinn always saves us. Stupid rockabouter. Damn. And we are live, and I am just messing with you. Uh, my evolving introduction that I tried to cover a lot of different bases, including why do we live in a world where, where men have nipples, Bertie Numnum, Peter Sellers, the Freemason, and I guess I should add something with warm leatherettes. But it, it evolves, and either way, everything is evolving. evolving. So welcome, everybody, to AB Live. So excited. To see everybody already going into the chat room, both on Facebook and on YouTube, although we can usually only deal with uh, questions from those of you on YouTube. Maybe we can answer questions later at the Inner Sanctum of Gnosis Facebook group. But again, technology is evolving. The important thing is by some uh, algorithmic uh, demonology, we all can connect now remotely. And these are interesting times, and but we pass Gnosis any way we can. So tonight we are very excited to have Anthony Garcia, who was who was here recently in June to when he discussed his book Artificial Intelligence and the New Messiah. Anthony, bienvenidos otra vez. Gracias por estar aquí. Thank you for having me. Pleasure is all ours, and I would say uh, press one for English, uh, oprima el número dos para español, but we haven't evolved yet to that part. We, we'll, we'll get a UN translator soon to para ser español, but um, so it is. And with us, too, we've got the Moondog Vans. Vance, how are you doing on this Mercury Day? Not too bad. Better than my typing. <laughs> Are you, what are you answering? Typing too fast. <laughs> oh yeah, like uh, uh, Nate came up and I said, "Hey, no, no, Nate, I, my finger didn't get to make it down to the end." So that's yeah, you can't I'm do saying. voice recognition though. Yeah, <laughs> can't do that. In the corner, what is he babbling about in the corner? <laughs> so, so awesome, awesome. Well, I hope everybody had a good Halloween weekend and, of course, a good dia. De los Muertos, those two days. And I hope everybody's doing good as uh, the liminal spaces get, uh, well, they get bigger, you might say, and the spirits start coming through in these uh, darkening times. Good time to talk to your ancestors, good time to talk to the spirits. So, um, but we always talk to spirits here. And Anthony, um, your book. Artificial Intelligence and the New Messiah. That's part of a trilogy, right? Or tell, tell the audience more about your work and the Correct. work you're doing. Uh, it is part of the trilogy. The first book that came out in 2014 was The uh, Portal of Light, followed up, followed up two or three years later with The Shared Lives Twin Sun, and then this past year, uh, this year, uh, Artificial Intelligence and the New Messiah. And by trilogy, you mean how are these books related? Is there a theme to it? Or you... Well, the theme really is uh, really one sentence, and that was that uh, from the very early book, it, the sentence was, how is she to be treated? And that really caused the ball rolling of who was they, who are they talking about, when was this supposed to happen, and what's the future going to hold? And that's really how it got me to the third book. Cool, cool. And you are having another book published in 2022. From what 2022 is very interesting. I've come up uh, a book based on a, a character, a real-life character named Esteban. He was an African slave conquistador brought over by Spain into La Florida, Florida area. And his journey is about four or five years from Florida to New Mexico. And 
He is one of 300, uh, 300 conquistadors that made this journey and only four survived. Wow. And he's one of them. So I'm going to tell his story in a, from a fictional for, uh, point of view, but I think it's uh, based on a true life story. Ooh, that's exciting. Love that kind of history. Yes. And uh, whoa, what was so dangerous in Florida back then? Well, they arrived. There was we still had alligators, right? <laughs> yeah, they you know they arrived. They ran into tribes. They were hoping to find uh, you know some Amazon gold to snatch the lawn and thought they would find the riches, and they found nothing. So all of a sudden, they found themselves by themselves, and this journey began. And the ships that they came with deserted them. So they're they're trying to survive and get back. And they knew that the Spanish had. Um, Oh, you know, some soldiers in Mexico, in northern northern Mexico, and they said, we got to get there. Well, that was about a thousand miles away. So that journey started from there. Yeah, I'm sure. And wearing all that armor and all that equipment, well, 90 degree weather, mosquitoes. Yeah, they got it's eaten up. Hurt. That's exactly what happened. It's going to hurt, man. <laughs> but yeah, gold gets people moving. Yes. And interesting, somebody in the chat was talking about the Mayans. Uh, did you ever, were you ever interested or engaged in the Mayan 2012 prophecy that that did anything for you? Well, the Mayans were interesting because it tied to the story. The Mayans uh, built the Mayan, the Mayan city of. Uh, I pronounced this properly. Teotihuacan, um, and there was the pyramids, and that was based on Orion's belt. They followed that pattern. So I find that interesting that they would follow that pattern and, and base their city on that, and it always made me wonder why, why I choose that. Yeah, well, yeah, they were obviously very influenced by the stars. So Absolutely. That's... Uh... That was their life, and that's what they did. So, yeah. and interesting, we still don't know what really happened to the Mayan Empire. It was already gone by the time the conquistadores arrived. There was about 500 years apart. I visited uh, one of the pyramids in uh, southern Mexico, Honduras, and uh, they said it was, it was left alone, and the tribe that came in, they just said it's a private city, don't go in there. So the citizens of the, the next empire, they left it alone. And that's why it was so well kept. So they respected who they were. Very cool. Well, I have been to the, I have been, to, well, I lived in Mexico, so in La Ciudad. So I did go to Tenochtitlan many times, yeah. both uh, the sun and the moon. It's uh, pyramids. Whenever we'd have visitors from Portugal, the United States, that was the one thing they wanted to do. We got to, you know. But this was a long time ago, I don't think. People, but it's nice to know that back then, tourist people that came to visit, that was the main event, was the pyramids. So, And it's it's worth it. Of course, it's, it's an incredible experience. You won't forget it, that's for sure. We'll find that the mystics then, along with the scenes, were at the same level in terms of uh, the, I'll just use for a better word, the elites or the intelligence of a community kept that stuff private. And it happens with the scenes, it happens with the Mayans, it happens with the Aztecs, happens even with our country now. So that's kind of how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only way to survive uh, the vagaries of those in power and those wanting to, uh, to advance themselves through material goods or using magic for the wrong reason. Yeah. It's a tale as old as time, no matter what country or time you're in. Yep. Awesome. Well, for, for those of you in the chat room, you know the drill. If you have any questions for Anthony, please type them in all capital letters. Throw as many or question marks. If you do a super chat, of course, we will put you at the top of the line. And as always, and I'll keep repeating, we will have a, uh, as soon as we are no longer live through the demonology of technology, um, it will be on YouTube, and then tomorrow I will put the audio version out on all podcasters, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, all these places that have uh, all the podcast providers of that you want that you yourself like to listen to it. And of course, in the in the member section, you'll find it too. 
I know people have different tastes. Some of you always email me. I don't, I will not go on YouTube. Others of you, I will not stream. Others, yeah, others of you want to download physical copies in your hard drive. So everybody has uh, different tastes and everybody has different, uh, uh, you might say, enemies on the internet that you just can't handle and you try to avoid. Uh, for example, Facebook now allows you to stream their podcasts. And remember, Vance, we did a uh, poll on Facebook and everybody was against it because ironically, yeah. everybody hates Facebook. <laughs> But, um, yeah, for the old so, fashioned people, we'll mail them a listing of the show, you know, a line printer yeah. listing, <laughs> yeah. a thumb drive, yeah, or the real, yeah, a CD ROM, floppy disk, yeah, yeah. So, I try to give you the show in any version that you yourself prefer, including private RSS feeds. So, other than that, uh, so from housekeeping, we got some exciting shows coming up, uh. Next week, we have the great Mark Stavish discussing the path of Freemasonry. Uh, he will grant uh, the spirit, really the spirit, the spirituality, the spiritual intent of Freemasonry and the various tools of the craft that you can use, even if you're not a Freemason. And as Mark is a guest, you know, it's going to be incendiary because he likes to explore and open up issues and places that most people won't dare and a brilliant mind. Then we'll have a Finding Hermes with Gigi Young. Gigi Young, not Young. Uh, yes. And uh, she will be discussing uh, psychic healing and how to survive the apocalypse. And more exciting shows coming up, too, including an AB Live with Amanda Radcliffe on Mary Magdalene and countering the issue or the, the scholarship that's growing that says that the Cathars never existed which is kind of the same vibe as those saying that Gnosticism never existed. So that should be exciting. And other great shows, including shows on Manly P. Hall, The Real Identity of Lucifer, and other and a whole bunch of variety, always with that Gnostic sensibility to it. So that's it for house cleaning that I have right now. So, Anthony, why don't you take it away? I have plenty of notes here, but before we start, Give us the thesis of your latest book, Artificial Intelligence and the New Messiah, and then we can go with whatever you want to talk about. Well, the book itself deals with um, the arrival of the Anointed One or the Messiah, and really what kind of effect that's going to have on the community of the world. And what's going to lay out is, obviously, you know, you have sides taken, and the sides, one side is going to be, you know, the artificial intelligence, you've look forward 50 or 100 years, how big that influence is going to be, and the elites that control that. And you're already seeing part of that with, you know, what big tech and that whole thing, how that plays out. Now with the elections, you're seeing, wow, this is pretty heavy. The other side of it is who's going to hold against them. It's going to be, you know, the fundamental families and Christian groups. And then how that whole thing is going to play out and how the sides are going to develop. So the book really is about that. Uh, but it raises a big issue for some communities who say, well, the Messiah should not become. The Jewish community would say that because that's the end of the day, end of days. Mm -hmm. Other communities say, no, maybe the, the Messiah would come and, you know, the purpose is to grant additional life to our blue earth. And that's really uh, my argument in my book is, you know, what has to happen for our planet to continue to exist uh, definitely has to do with a healthy earth, healthy community, healthy families. And how is that going to play out with, you know, the other side trying to, um, you know, squash you and how that's going to play out. So I think it's a very interesting book. And I think you enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. And for uh, all of all of you listeners, all you heretics out there, <laughs> again, the interview was in June. I think it was June 13. So you can just check it out here on the YouTube channel. And uh, we go really in depth. And for the audience, uh, artif the artificial intelligence and the technology used, do you see that as a neutral thing we're fighting for? Or was this device by the powers of darkness to enslave us? I think it uh, originates really with non-believers. They really don't uh, have interest. They're looking for power and control. And, you know, they move up quite rapidly and, and accumulate 
a lot of wealth very rapidly. I mean, something like uh, um, I don't know, the, the big names, you know, Zuckerberg's, they have 10 times the income of the other of the billionaires. It's just amazing to me. Then they have the power of technology to share their point of view. So it was planned and it worked out for them and people kind of caught by surprise. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of everything now. And what do you think about all this space exploration, rockets in the sky, Elon Musk wanting us to go to Mars and all that stuff? Is well, this I part think, of the agenda? Well, I think once if they were to find another planet that had the kind of resources of, of water like we did, they'd be there pursuing that in a second. And, um, you know, when you get to a point where they're just spending, sending dro uh, drones after drones and rockets and rockets to find another planet, that tells you maybe Earth is far gone and they're going to let go of that, the powers to be. So we have to be careful about that. But, um, you know, you also have the fact that you you have other alien beings that maybe have found us. And, you know, why is that? So, you know, you got two sides of it now. Yeah. And um, we started too, as we're talking about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Vince, do you have a question or anything that you think we should clarify before continuing? Or? Um, not really. Um, um, there's a couple of questions in the uh, general questions in the chat room. You want to address yeah, those yeah. right now? Yeah, they have to do with the Dead Sea Scrolls and kind of focusing on our last. Oh, yeah. Interview. Sure. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, one of them is um, from uh, Jude Delorca. How did the Essenes work into the history of the Messiah message? Relation between Messiah and the Essenes. Well, um, the Messiah, the Messiah uh, was expected by the Essenes, following the celestial equator, which I'm going to go into. But they expected an Earth-born Messiah to be born, where the Pharisees wanted a adult uh, king, an adult person to fight, to help fight or to motivate their citizenry to fight against the Romans who were about to take over and sack uh, all the temples and the cultural uh, particles of, of, uh, of Judea. And that's where it came out. So what, what won or what existed was the child Messiah known as, as the Nazarene. Okay. Um, Michael Musgrave also was wondering about um, the relationship of the Essenes to women. Did they disparage women um, or how, did they believe in a divine feminine? What was their relationship with women? Well, the, the Essenes very much believed in families. Although the brotherhood themselves were mostly men, uh, there, there were two parts of the Essene brotherhood. One was in the Masada, which was the fort, fort which is about... 12 miles southeast of Jerusalem, and then other large uh, neighborhoods or, or areas where the scenes existed, like Galilee, those were had more families. So they very much uh, respected that. And if you know anything about the Jewish uh, faith, the women provide the educational training. It was no different there with those families. So very much uh, positive and, and uh, respected women. So not really much different than uh, Jews in general, then, as far as their relationship with women. No, I thought they. I think uh, I think they valued valued them very much. How about the? Um, this is from me. Uh, uh, there's uh, some people always said that Jesus was once in a scene. Uh, what do you think of that? That's accurate. So it comes from Mary's family. And Mary, uh, Ruth, they were all Essenes. John the Baptist, his first cousin who dressed in that the 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 camel hair to go you know preach you know he was in the scene so the way he he uh, pointed out the weaknesses of the pharisees that was his point of view but that came from the essenes okay and um they didn't believe uh, in the pharisees and what they were doing at the temple right they were kind of protesting mm -hmm. against the current practices they were like our american hippies they did not uh, look at, at, at uh, former religion, former institutions. They were look. They were hippies. Lived off the land. Lived out. Lived one on one with with uh, the animals, with the plants, with the herbs for healing. Very much like an American hip, hippies, but they were very religious in in, in nature, though. All right, right. 
Well, we had one just come in, I guess, before we move on. Um, this is a big one. I'm not sure you can uh, do this or maybe it'll come out during the show, but um, Brendan Fowler wants to uh, wants you to provide a breakdown of the Nag Hammadi library versus the Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> That's oh, oh. Oh. Yeah, I'll be back in two days, Anthony. We'll be here for a couple of days. That's a Miguel question, maybe. So. Yeah, yeah, there is They're no... Uh, different things. Yeah, there is, there is, there's some overlap. overlap. Well, for example, um, here's a quick example. You do find scrolls with the names of the angels. Now, why would you have the names of the angels? Because you're going to use them to control the angels or passwords or one of those things. So that's, of course, the Gnostics had the name of angels and archons in their their writing. So you do have this, I don't know, we'll call it Jewish mysticism, Gnostic apocalypse, but there was that sort of uh, ancient Kabbalah. That, so there are connections, of course, with Gnostics, Essenes, and the Dead Sea. You know, there's a big overlap, but I think, Anthony, I think the big one is they were done with the governments, with the cult, corrupt yeah. culture. with the, So they were rebelling in a spiritual, magical way and just isolating themselves from society one way or another. They avoided the Pharisees as much as they could. Didn't look, they considered themselves real Israel. In a few minutes, I'll go really how they used angels, and I think you'll find that very interesting. Cool, cool. Yeah, definitely did that. And, of course, as some said, the Sethians, who are part of the Nag Hammadi Library is John Turner, and others said were also breakaway Jews who decided to get away from the corrupt temple because it was in the pocket of the Romans and black magic and yeah. just dark powers. Of course, they ended up more eventually in Alexandria instead of staying in Palestine. So, um, cool. Well, I think uh, if that's it, Vance, we'll let Anthony. One more. Uh, oh, one more. One more sure. quick one. Yeah. yeah. yeah sure. Chris Newberry is wondering if you've heard of Ralph Ellis and uh, his theory that the uh, scenes leader, uh, well, the leaders of the Jewish revolt. Of uh, the Jewish revolt from the Essenes? Yeah. Um, or they, the Essenes led the Jewish revolt is what he's saying. Hmm. You know, uh, I am, well, let me. It, it, there's a possibility. Well, the ones that were in the Masada, who were the, the strongest and most educated leadership group of the scenes, as you know, they, they died from uh, suicide by blade to not give themselves up to the Romans. Mm -hmm. But there were a couple central figures, uh, the teacher of righteousness, for example, who is the leader of the scenes and the prince of the congregation, they were never identified uh, within the Essene group by, by, oh, I would say by design, but I'm not sure so sure they, they found them or could they be part of that revolt. So to answer this question, I think there's a possibility such strong leadership didn't escape and they, weren't, they were part of the revolt because that would be their nature. Right, right. There was a group Rebels. that did want to fight the, the Romans, very small group, because they most of the men there were pacifists, but a small group did want to fight the Romans. And uh, we never found out the who they were and where they ended up. So to answer that question, I would say there's a strong possibility. Okay. Yeah, Ralph Ellis has written, God, he's written a lot of books. And he's almost been on the show, but our He's either traveling or I'm here, but uh, hopefully one day. But yeah, he's got more books than whew, we could. So many entry points with uh, Mr. Ellis. All right. Well, if there's no question, no questions. Oh, God, I can't talk tonight. I think I've had too much coffee. I've had a lot of coffee tonight. I don't know why. Oh, yeah, the kids are sick. That's why I've had a lot of coffee. <laughs> I've been working. on It's like I'm on call every time they, well, they, and they want something. So, uh Yeah. But uh, that's why I've had a lot of coffee, and it's affecting my brain. All right. Um, well, uh, Anthony, you want to do the, yeah. the angels, or which way would you like to go? Well, I'm going to start. I've got a couple of things I'll mention off the bat, a little bit about um, who the Essenes were. As I mentioned, they were hippies. Uh, they connected to nature and spirituality. They did not attend temple. temple. Uh, they avoided temple goers, didn't like that judgment. But uh, more of a very poor community because they didn't uh, didn't have a lot of money, didn't live off of money, and that's why they consider themselves real Israel. 
And that's very important because they really wouldn't give in to other things, those type of things. Um, but I thought it was very important about your, your program is that people look at Gnostic things or esoteric things, and they think it's like way out there and there's no connection. And when I saw my writings and I was doing research, and I go, there's a very strong connection. And I want to bring something today that, you know, your hands can touch, you can feel and touch it. It's tangible. You can see it. And you have answers to things when you, when you, when you, when you leave today. So uh, with that, let me uh, keep going. Um, I'm gonna, when I ever do any research on a book, and I think I've done my six books now, the first thing I do is look for the root language. Mm-hmm. Before Hebrew, and uh, really before Aramaic, which was the language of Jesus at that time, there was Paleo-Hebrew. And that came from the Jewish mystics. So those are the men that spoke a rudimentary Hebrew language that actually followed the stars. And one of the first uh, persons that could really connect to describe them was a Flavius Josephus or Flavius Josephus. And this is how he described the Essene community. And before I start this, he had joined the Essene community uh, when he was about 16 for a couple, two, three years and then uh, left the group, but this is how he describes them. They are scrupulous students of the ancient literature. They are, and that literature being the, the book of Moses or the Torah, the ardent students in the healings, healing of disease using plants and, and prayer, of the root offering protection, and of the properties of the stones, stones being lapidary. So with that said, you had a pretty good uh, understanding of, you know, who they were and what, what they stood for. So much different than the Pharisees. Now, um, if you could pull up, let me get that uh, globe for you. Sure. And I want you to, while he's picturing this, you guys are sitting down, hopefully kind of get, trying to figure out all the stuff we're talking about. Sure. But if you picture yourself, let's say you were a shepherd in Palestine. All right, where is it? Hold on one second. Um, Here you go. That's a pretty good picture there of the. Yeah, movie. that's my desktop. No, that's not it. Uh, oh wait, it's a word document. There you the go. Word doc. All right. Now, dark that big that gets. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then. Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So the pick, if you picture yourself in, in a shepherd, and we have those in Colorado, and they're sitting there, let's say you're in Palestine, and you get the campfires going, the shepherd, the sheep are asleep, and you're out there thinking, and, and all of a sudden you're being explained, you know, the, the, the Jewish history from a astrology point of view. And it's funny, the creator works counterclockwise for so from left, so instead of writing right to left, he works he works from left to right going in a circle. And the reason that's important is because if you understand this globe, when these people are talking about the constellation. First of all, they knew the world wasn't flat. They knew it was it was it was round, right. just like this. So if you look at this map closely, you can see towards the bottom, you see the gray banner. You're gonna see um you're gonna see uh the constellation at the bottom, like Libra, Virgo, Leo Cancer, as we all know about those. But then you're gonna see Taurus. And why it's important is because in the Jewish community an important Jewish historical figure arises typically at the beginning of an age. So in the age of Taurus, you have Moses. Next is the age of Aries, you have Daniel. The next important was the age of Pisces, with the, the Jesus of Nazareth, referred to as the Nazareth. And that age just ended in the year 2012. 
And so when that's when the the uh, Exodus play came to me. So in 2012, the next age that appears, the age of Aquarius. What's the next important historical figure there? And that's on the top part of that of that banner. The age of Aquarius is going to be, uh, the, in my opinion, is the anointing one. That's going to be a Jewish Messiah. Now, that creates a lot of controversy when you say that because it leads to whole uh, different opinions and points of view and things that can happen. But um, that's very crucial to understanding my premise. So I'll go ahead and take that down again. So where that takes us is, is that um, the language, again, is Paleo-Hebrew. And um, the scenes of that time spoke two primary languages, uh, you know, Paleo-Hebrew, Hebrew at that time, or Aramaic, which is a, a, an Egyptian uh, dialect language. And where that takes me is that when I did research on the book, and I want to share this with everybody, uh, the book is based, I did my research on a book by uh, the Dead Street Schools by Gisa Vermes, and he wrote in 1962. And the Dead Street Schools were discovered in 1947 by a, a Bedouin uh, young boy who kicked a soccer ball in the cave, and he, he heard some chards of pottery, and all of a sudden he said, hey, there's something here. Well, they found uh, the scrolls there, and that they really changed everything. But within the 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 uh, the scroll, the Dead Sea Scrolls themselves, the one that I focused on was on the Book of Enoch. And the Book of Enoch was not a part of the uh, at that point the Book of Moses, what the what the, what the Torah community was studying. And then there they had uh, in their the concept of the book of astrology, the book of wisdom, the book of Noah. And once I had those, I realized that the, this community really uh, had access and ideas 2,000 years ago. And what was the rest of the world doing? You know, they're writing on caves or they probably didn't write at all. And so, you know, that's how far ahead they were. And this is where I want to get into the the uh, angels. And that's why it's important. Within the Book of Enoch, um, they used the messen- They used angels in two different categories. A couple, two, three categories. One is a messenger, as Uriel, and he was important because he informed Noah of the upcoming flood. He used Uriel to time travel. They also used uh, the angels as guardians or later saints. They called them Kuchima. And then they had some that were called, they called them heavenly messengers, and that was Sarsadim and Malish. And they even considered Yahweh, the, the God himself, uh, Malish Yahweh. And that was interesting how they used angels as, as part of their, their belief system. That is not normally done in the Torah religion. They don't believe in, in uh, angels. They they've never have time travelers they don't believe in. Uh, came through later on the Christian community, but that's where it comes from. So to answer that question about earlier question of, uh, you know, where, where this goes to, it, it ends up in Christianity, really. That's so interesting. But they also have what they call a dark angel. This is interesting. It was called Shed, S-H-E-D. And they had a special place for them. And it was kind of imprisonment. They called that Tataros. And um, it's just so interesting they put their demons there. And the reason why this is so important is because they knew that they were going to be uh, pursued and followed and criticized by the temple Jews and the rabbis. So they used the concept, they, they, uh, the English word is autoantomy, which is a dual meaning for a word. So when they referred to an animal, they would signify that Anaphil was a human. Mm-hmm. And the humans then were signified as angels. So they wanted, uh, they, they, this is how they conceal their thought, conceal their, their point of view. This later came out with Kabbalah. This is where the Kabbalah comes from. Sod is one of the bigger words within the Kabbalah. And um, it's real important to understand that because you, you think you're talking about an angel, and you think, well, that's so esoteric, it can't connect. Well, if you understand how they're writing, they're not trying to tell you an angel, they're trying to tell you humans that's a human, and they're using that to, to, to conceal themselves. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Another big topic is uh, they call it uh, Jim Martria, G-E-M-M-A-T-R-I-A. And that's why they conceal numeric values. That's really interesting. So like the word chai, chai tea, chai tea, uh, that means life. So they would use it where it meant the number 18. So if they give the Jewish community gives a gift, they multiply times 18 because that's good luck for them. Another word is like Ephraim, which is a cup measurement of one-sixth. That helped me to determine uh, the location of the heaven in my second book, Share Life Twin Son. And the second coming uh, of a Messiah, that's in Hebrews 1, 16. That's what it's referring to. You see, 1, 6, one, Hebrews 1, 6, that's how they do it. That's how they hide things. So that's uh, very important to understand how how they're doing things. So I'm making the intangible tangible. That's really important. But uh, what's really important about the scenes is that they consider themselves healers, doctors. And they had a special name for themselves. That was uh, a doctor was known as Rofe and healing as Refuab. And they used water to heal along with herbs. And so the water name was Mayim. Baptism, where's that come from, right? Come from Nikvah. Uh, so um, you see how they take a word, they use it, and then they conceal it. That is what that kept them alive. So they were around uh, probably 150 years before the Nazarene was born. So they knew, first of all, uh, that the new, new constellation of Aquarius was coming. They knew somebody who was special who was coming. They also knew it was going to be earth-born, and who would that be? And that child would be very special. And that's kind of how they did things. So um, the concept of SOD, S-O-D, um, real important because when I got the Exodus play, the word uh, carnation was in there four times. And I saw that and go, why do they use the carnation in there four times? Mm-hmm. Uh, and who are they referring to? They're using referring to the, the Nazarene again, but they would also use words like um, in the in the Exodus play was tafila. That's a Hebrew word. They would never use that in a Christian play, but they did. And tefeyin is a concept used by the Essenes that means um, they would put a uh, pylacteries, which are like a headband. And they put a square box on your forehead, and that would they would keep the writings in there. there what was what most popular was uh, uh, the book of Deuteronomy, and specifically used the, what they called the Shema, and that was one of their prayers that they used for new members. With the Admanos, Ladino Admanos, they used the Alabados, and that's how it came to me. So it's very important. From there, I you know created a. Um, a um, an idea of, of the portal of light, how it would be what would be propulsion of how to get to this earth from another location. And the concept I used was time plus direct matter plus direct energy equals, equals a conscious directive. And, um, you know, you think uh, that's way out there, but um, in a few seconds we'll go, I'm going to touch on... Uh, Robert Oppenheimer and how they did things. They, they started with a broad concept and then focused in. Can you uh, pull up, uh, Miguel, those the, those important words I shared with you, if you can? Sí, sí. Miguel's going to pull up is, um, uh, what this gets to is, is Paleo Hebrew had words that. Can you guys see it? You can see half of it. Paleo, there you go. Go to the bottom part. Yeah. Go the bottom, the Christian originations. Paleo-Hebrew used words that were not in the Hebrew dictionary. And it's, because, it's mostly because of focus, what, what the, the, the Paleo-Hebrew speaking the scenes valued as important. So Yahshua, which means Yahshua to, to, to many, uh, or the Messiah, but it seems they were expecting the salvation or a deliverance mm-hmm. of Yahoo. That was a Nazarene. 
They also knew what was forthcoming later on, the Mashiach, which is the anointed one. From there, they had very Christian concepts. Uh, the Miyachi Hamayatim, the resurrection of the dead. The Jewish community doesn't believe in that, but the, the Christian community picked up on that. And then the very important word is Gol Yach, which happens to be the word Redeemer. That the the that was not a part of of of, of you know the Pharisee study. They didn't use any of those four type of words. And then at the end, I had to throw this this one in there for Miguel. Paul McCartney <laughs> uses "Let It Be," and I know that that's one of his favorites. And they call it Amien. And that story came to Paul. He was thinking he had a dream about his mother, and something was upsetting to him. And and she says, "Let it be." Mm. And I just thought that was interesting that it ended up there. <laughs> Love it. Cool. Yes, that that's what's so important. Now. Let's go back to uh, Miguel mentioned that he, he uh, lived and studied in Mexico. And um, one thing about these, these, the way the, the, I want to give a feel for people that they're looking at the stars out there and they're saying, what does this all mean? And if you look at Orion's belt, the, uh, the stars have a kind of a blue hue to them. And uh, they just thought that was just so special. And then, you know, the, the pyramids of Gaza, they're in the same alignment. With with that, and then the Mayan Teotihuacan, uh, the same thing. So you know, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, once you get to a point where you're studying and talking at that level, I think people really share about that because they realize everybody's equal. It's about the work and study you put into this. That's real important. And um, the thing about the scenes, they had a very interesting view of life in the sense that they. Because they studied the scrolls constantly, they wrote in the scrolls, they understood, they had conversations, they lived uh, in the fort, for example, Masada, they lived with, with uh, cisterns with water, and they, they were just very important to be so close to nature. But the concept was that, you know, he who controls time controls the world, mm-hmm. because they consider themselves remnants of time. They understood the concept of, of the, the constellations. Who else did at that time? The other thing they did that you don't see too often happen, happen within the Pharisee community, the Feast of the Wood Offering. And that was just uh, something that um, they, they would light fire because they were much, very much believed in the light. And um, so it seems very unique that way. And, you know, um, when I was uh, up and up studying at CU Boulder, I think there's a few people's, I got the chance to visit uh, the hippies above north of Boulder up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And they considered me like a banker. They, <laughs> they didn't think I was like the scene type, the, the nature type. They just looked at me and they were very basic. And they lived in school buses. It was so cold, oh, yeah. you wouldn't believe. And in the back, they had drums for, to light the fires and to heat mm. their food. And I used to hang out a little bit. And I was like, I thought they were really kind of cool. But but uh, they knew I wasn't one of them, and I was mm-hmm. that. But that was just so interesting that when I got to study the scenes, I go, I was like, I've seen this before. But the big thing with the scenes, you know, they were fourth dimensional thinkers, um, in the sense, um, you know, they understood even at that time frame. If you look at some of Dolly's, Salvador Dolly's paintings, they've got that melted watch. You know, they they uh-huh. you know they understood that there were dimensions. And we mentioned the top of uh, you know those alien drones. They must be at, at uh, a dimension nine or something, or seven. And so they have a different point of view, and they look very different than us, probably. So when I wrote this, uh, when I saw in that the Exodus play talked about a leafy dawn passage, you know I knew that came from uh, another, um, in my opinion, a planetary. External. So when I saw that, I go, well, you know, they they have this this rioters. They have an understanding of of that. So I, I worked with that. And um, real, real quick, Anthony, so the ahead. audience knows you. I know the answer because, and we talked about it. But just in case, uh, for those that are newer, what's the Exodus play? The Exodus play was uh, in 2011. I was in my home here. They knocked on my door and said we had. Uh, I th- 
they're bringing some alabados. These are hermanos mm-hmm. from uh, from another location who who were who were bringing me. I thought it was a cuaderno or notebook to translate from Spanish to English, which I'm used to doing. And they came in, three men with smiles on their face, and and uh, I looked. The, they gave me two cuadernos. One was in one was the regular alabados for the songs of praise. The second one was about five times thick, and I looked at it, and I looked at it closer, and it was a play. And Edmanos don't do plays. Can you imagine those guys doing a play in, in Sunday's <laughs> Valley? Yeah. So I looked at that, and I said, this is a play. And they laughed, and they said, well, you've got to dice- uh, decipher, the- decipher this and figure out what this means to us. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, it took me a while. So I was like, well, scratching my head, like, this is going to be a lot of work. But, you know, I did figure out that it was a – uh, cryptic or concealed uh, story of the Hebrew history. Mm-hmm. And that was hidden within the, a, a Christian community. So I knew it was very important. And that's how the Portal Light book came to be. Awesome. 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 Well, please continue. Well, the other section I want to get to is this came from, this goes to uh, the writer, the, the persons that, that um, from Fowler, I hope she's still listening. There were a couple of big mysteries. Uh, the Prince of the Congregation, they never figured out who that was. It was very much written about in, in the, the scrolls. He's recognized. They know he's a leader. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, people say, well, are they referring to Noah? Is it Abraham? Is it whoever? And we never found that out. So if it was that concealed and if it was a living person, then, you know, they, could they have left and been part of the, the rebellion? High High possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other big person is the teacher of righteousness. We know for sure that was a leader. But right before the Romans were, were attacking, a new leadership came in, and that, I think that was led by a guy named uh, Sacatarius. And um, and um, so that the, the previous leadership either backed down or left. So that person from Fowler, if you want to look – into that, the teacher of righteousness, if that's in the alignment to what you're the rebellion or, or, or anything like that, I would be curious to hear about that. So there are mysteries about the scenes that that, that aren't disclosed, disclosed, like the lapidary, the study of stones, not looked into, not shared much about. But I think it's 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 a big part of things. So um, in conclusion, I really want to just tie it together that. The scenes were uh, remnants of their time. They made tangible or real the celestial equator, the anointed one. Uh, the Hebrew, the Hebrews bring to life, you know, what they stood for and how they concealed things and how they really used angels. People think they're just esoteric things. No, they were concealing other points of view and then using numeric values to conceal things. And... Um, it was really something when I read about uh, the biography of Robert Oppenheimer. He did the Manhattan Project here in uh, Los Alamos, not too far from the 33rd equator again. But he called his scientists that he put together scientists of luminarias. Mm. I'm telling you. When I saw that, I go, I understood the light when he was after and that's what these scenes did. They understood the light. That's what they, they grasped and, and understood. But in the end, you know, um, the scenes uh, were healers, doctors, using plants and prayers. Uh, but their concept of understanding salvation and anointing one and a redeemer and how it carries to the future I think uh, they're very, very important and not talked enough about. So I hope you enjoyed that. Oh, yeah, that was wonderful. Enjoyed it all and a lot of great insights. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. Um, We should probably also bring in the Therapute, which Sabios and a few others talk about them, just for the audience. Do you associate the Therapute with these scenes? Are they kind of the same brotherhood, or what has your research taught you? I don't. I think they're separate. The scenes are very uh, exclusive. So uh, a lot of people say that this person or that person belonged to the scene or 
zine community, you know, you, you kind of had to be born into it. Um, so it's hard for a, a external people to get into the, the brotherhood, just like I couldn't get into the hippie group. I mean, I mean, it was, you know, they, yeah. they didn't buy it, you know, they just really didn't buy it. So uh, it looked at me, but, you know, um, so it's one of those. So I, the scenes are very exclusive, I thought. Interesting. Yeah. There was definitely these uh, brotherhoods going around going on and for the teacher of righteousness i know some have said it might have been james the brother of jesus or jesus himself uh some have said that the i don't know about the wicked priest but there's a deceiver might be paul of tarsus uh where do you stand with these theories the teacher of rightness is interesting because he had to be uh he had to be one of the brothers i kind of picture him living in masada Mm-hmm. Uh, really close to the people that you know studied the scrolls. Um, for him to get that name of that that title, uh, he must have incredible insight himself. So you know who could he be? Um, I don't. He would have been. He would not have been the Nazarene, mm-hmm. but it could have been. Um, yeah, because Jesus was gone by then, but James was still around. Well, he would have had to uh, to spend a fair amount of time in the Masada. Yeah, that's true. So James, if, if he, James, if that was James, that would have had to be that. But um, they never identified him to the Pharisees, nor to the Romans who came knocking. So um, it, you know, they they make it. They make when they want to apply sod. I mean, they they can <laughs> they can hide things. You know, they're just good at that. <laughs> yeah yeah well it is a mystery and what do you think of paul of tarsus you know i'd be honest i don't know that all that much about him relating to the essenes mm-hmm. you know i you know you know it's just it just amazed me that you know that connection is trying to make i don't know if that's possible i'll be honest he was a yeah. tax collector, right? So I don't doubt if he was related to them, except maybe trying to get taxes out of him until his uh, conversion, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I thought he was a, I thought he was a Pharisee, not a tax collector. No, he was a tax. Paul was a tax collector. He was Saul when he was Saul. He was a tax collector. Hmm. He went around persecuting, persecuting the Christians and so forth. Yeah, I know that. Remember? Yeah, mm-hmm. and the, he was tax collector. He was the IRS for the uh, for the uh, for the Pharisees. <laughs> yeah, but even when he converted, he still stepped on a lot of toes. There was a lot of friction between him and Peter and oh, James. Yeah. And this is even an apocrypha. So he just switched toes, I think. <laughs> How about John the Baptist? Was he the teacher of righteousness? Could he have been a candidate for that? Well, John was more of a. Uh, he liked. He was a traveling preacher that actually had his own disciples. So that was interesting about John. Um, that would have been him. Um, uh, he lost his head before he could do it. Ha ha ha! Somebody. No, that's a possibility. You know, I mean, at some point he just said, "I'm I'm tired of this, and I'm going to go go preach uh, preach against strongly against the leadership." That that's a possibility. Or he was a missionary, right? He was a missionary for these scenes. They sent him out, you know, preaching that. He was that definitely happened, he was definitely in the scene. So that's a possibility. I hadn't thought about yeah. that. Yeah. And then somebody took over the group, right? The uh, what, what do they call it? The uh, uh, the the liar, the the spreader of lies, whatever it is. Um, help me out here. The teacher mm-hmm. of lies, man of lies. Um, yeah, something wicked. Yeah, wicked something. Yeah, something wicked. Yeah, not sure something about wicked. This way comes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and that's why I've, I know I've got a whole bunch of notes here, even as we were talking. But Vance, do you have a question, or does the audience have a question? Um, I don't see any questions from the audience lately, um, and I just asked uh, some of my questions. Well, um, what kind of surprising things, um, revelations, do we find in the Dead Sea Scrolls that you know aren't in the traditional, um, you know, Old Testament or New Testament? What kinds of things is the theology a lot different, or what is? Um... Well, they were not. It amazed me that although they studied, they did not have formal uh, temple practices 
within their communities. So although they would study and talk that type of thing, they weren't doing like regular services. Yeah. Um, so that was it. But but I think people just don't understand how they did not want to be part of a former religion. Their strength was really when somebody got injured, they're looking for uh, plants and herbs to heal, which is really contrary even at that time to to formal Pharisee doctors, that type of thing. They weren't trying to do that. So I just thought it was interesting that they were such outsiders that people have no idea that, that that's, that's what allowed them to gain this, this intellect, this wisdom of the constellation of the stars and how it connects to spirituality. And I don't think they get credit for that. Yeah, so all that was in the scrolls, at least if you looked at them the right way, right? Is that, yeah. that what you're saying? Interesting. Yeah, they were very, when they say they studied uh, roots and stones for healing, they meant it. So uh, if you had an injury, you know, they're looking to heal you with, with roots and stones. Interesting. Um, you know, uh, so, because remember back then a broken ankle could not set properly or not healed properly could make you disabled back then. Yeah. So, you know, back then it's very important to, to heal properly. So they're very good at that. Yeah. Do we know any particular um, personalities that were, um, you know, known to be authors of any of the, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls? Any, so, any attributions? The one that I used, there's a few books out there. The one that uh, Gesa Vermes, G E Z A Vermes, V E R M E S. He was the one that was closest to getting the original work out publicly and officially by, by the community in 1962. There's been a few uh, revisions from then, but that's the book I used, and uh, he did a very, very good job. Um, you know, But he also gave credit to a lot of uh, religious people help do the research to get this work out. A lot of them were Catholic priests, a lot of them were... Uh, I think there was, there was one at the end of Mormon uh, priest got to be part of it, but they were after this, you know, really hard for this kid. The first book came out in 62. They were good after a good first 10 years. Just, to, you know, they gave up their life to get this thing. Wow. They knew how important it was. So this is a big thing. It, it, uh, they don't understand the, the uh, how it goes forward, connect, connecting to the constellation. But, um, how they had this intelligent 2,000 years ago and, and take it forward, um, you know, just amazing. Those are the one, they're the ones that created the horoscopes because they studied the constellation. Well, that was 2,000 years ago, and they're not, they're not looked at from that point of view. They're looking at just scroll writers. Well, they're way beyond that. And there you have it, the first part of our show with Andy Garcia. Didn't have the heart to tell Vance about uh, Paul and his uh, alleged tax collector life. Oh well. As mentioned, and as a bonus for all subscribers on premium platforms, I'll include a section with my interview with Dr. Robert Eisenman on his great book, James the Brother of Jesus, where he grants a scholarly and bird's-eye view of the mystic politics of the Qumran community and the early church. Mind-blowing content, I say, I say. Including the audio version, this is a cool listen if you leverage the private RSS feed from AB Prime or Patreon or Red Circle that works in the podcast provider of your choice. So please become an AB Prime member or patron at Patreon or Red Circle subscriber for the full audio interview and to support this Red Pill Cafeteria. It will cost you less than a buck per episode, and that's a deal of many lifetimes. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics is more important than ever, and it's certainly a valid way to escape the machine. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 